Well, good morning. If you will open up to Galatians with me, chapter 2. We've been through chapter 1 so far. And um, it's been really good so far. I'm not really loud. It's been really good so far. And um, we're good? Yeah, there we go. Uh, I'll just be honest with you. This week has been kind of emotional roller coaster for me. Just had tragedy, but also, you know, a, a new nephew, and so it's just emotional. Just a week of just up and downs. Um, so I just pray for my family. I ask that you do that from the bottom of my heart. I know you will. You already said you will. So it's been it's been good to experience grace through that and. Uh, just walking through the book of Galatians, understanding grace and how the church is a picture of grace and how God works through His gospel and how we can be a gospel presence to people. And so, we're going to look in Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. We've already walked through Galatians chapter 1 so far, and we discovered the true gospel and that adding anything to Jesus and His work for salvation is a false gospel. And it's ultimately turning away from God Himself because it's a false view of who God is and who we are. We don't understand our sin in the right way and we don't understand God in the right way because we need God. He doesn't need us. He's Creator. We are His creation. And it puts us in a right position the gospel does because it shows us our sin and it shows us who we really are. That we can't uphold the law that He has given us, but Jesus Christ has upheld the law and He lived out the law perfectly, something that we couldn't do. And it's only through Jesus that we have that good news that we can be holy before a holy God, blameless in His sight. So, we understand that true gospel. And anything other than that true gospel of Jesus Christ, if we add anything, we say any other work, whatever it may be. We hear it, we hear it in other churches. We hear baptism. We hear speaking in tongues. We hear things that are added to the gospel that say, you have to have these things to truly be saved. That's not the real gospel. It's Jesus and only Jesus. So, any other gospel is a false gospel. There is no other gospel but the only one that speaks of Jesus and His good news. So then we also looked at Paul's testimony as he felt the need to share it with those in Galatia to remind them that he had personally been changed by this gospel. And that was given to him through Jesus in Acts chapter 9. We read about that. Paul had a former life of Judaism. And he was zealous and far beyond many of his own age in his religious acts and duties. But God in His grace called him out of that. Called him out of seeking to be approved by God by what He does. He called him out of that through Christ. God in His grace did that. And His grace frees him to live for Christ and proclaim Christ because he has a new life in Christ. We talked about that last week what it means to be in Christ, and how it's so deep to understand that fact. 
and that truth that the Scriptures teach us that if we believe and put our faith in Jesus, that we are in Him. And that changes the way we live. So now we will continue looking at the rest of Paul's account as he wrote of his timeline and his encounter with the other apostles in Jerusalem. There are a few things that I want you to ask, that I want you to focus on as we read this passage. Why does Paul go to Jerusalem? Why? Why why does he want to go there? Who goes with him? And why do the other apostles accept Paul and Barnabas as people who truly preach the gospel? The only gospel. So as we read and we answer these questions, this will lead us in a greater pursuit of understanding the gospel in this passage. So let's read in Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and Meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God who was at work in Peter and as an apostle to the circumcised was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, who is Peter, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me, a Barnab- gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. So Paul continues in his, kind of like his bibliography, he's telling them, hey, this is how it went down, 14 years. So that's a long time, 14 years. I mean, that's two-thirds of my life. That's a long time. You know, sometimes we think that Paul, he just... He was a believer, he knew Jesus, and then automatically he just went and did all these missionary journeys. That's not how it worked. I mean, he did go preach the gospel after he heard of the good news and he received it. He stayed in Damascus, he went back to Tarsus. He, he, he did preach the gospel, but it's not those three missionary journeys that we hear of in Acts. He waited 14 years, really three plus 14 years. That's a long time. He wrestled with the gospel. He wrestled with the good news. And he preached it for a long time before he even went on these missionary trips to all over the world. So, 
we have to understand that Paul took 14 years to really wrestle, to really, before he went on this missionary, even before he was really confident this was the true gospel. He was confident, but he had to hear it from the other apostles as well, making sure that they lined up well. So, let's look at Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 30. And the reason why I want to go here is because it gives us a greater understanding of Paul's reason and his mission on going to Jerusalem. And it's so good that we can go back and forth in the Scriptures and get a greater understanding of what's there. Sometimes we just read it and we just, we're not really searching. But there's great things in Acts that we could read about when Paul writes letters to certain cities and certain places. We can go back in Acts and see that he actually went there, that he actually was a part of spreading the gospel, and we get to understand that in a deeper way. So let's look at Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 30. It says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Okay, this is pretty important because Paul was a part of that persecution. I mean, he's the one who sat and watched Stephen get killed. So this is pretty amazing that even in the midst of someone dying for the gospel's sake, the gospel spread even more. It's amazing how God can use things like that for his namesake. So... Some of them, however, in this verse 20, some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch when he arrived and saw that what the grace of God had done. He was glad and encouraged them all to to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people who were brought to the Lord. So we understand Barnabas a little bit better. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. So Saul was staying in Tarsus, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the region of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So, we understand that this is the same exact moment where Paul and Barnabas and Titus traveled to Jerusalem. But they traveled with something. They traveled with a gift. Because they knew through prophecy that there would be a famine and they wanted to provide. And so we understand that they, they provided a gift. And understanding that really under, makes us understand that they could see the grace 
and Paul and Barnabas in a different way. Because all those disciples gave. They gave their money, their resources. And they put it all together to give a gift to those in Jerusalem. Which those in Jerusalem, just as a side note, were pretty poor. The Christians in Jerusalem were poor. But those that were Gentiles, most of them had a good amount of money. So they had a lot of money. They had a lot of resources, just as we do. We have a lot of resources, more than, more than most in many countries. And we need to give those resources generously. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So here are three things, here are three things that I want, I want to look at in this passage. Fight. Fight for the true gospel. It's important to fight and not just let the false gospels infiltrate and the false believers come in and just speak another gospel. We need to fight for the true gospel. Paul did. Barnabas did. They, they would die for it. They did die for it. Paul did. We understand that we have to fight for the gospel. Second is a false gospel brings division and the true gospel brings unity. And third, the gospel produces disciples who have a gospel presence. Paul looked like the gospel. And we understand that in Galatians chapter 9, I mean chapter one, 2 verse 9. It says, James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when, when what? When they recognized the grace given to me. They recognized grace in Paul's life in multiple ways, and we're going to talk about that. So let's talk about fighting for the true gospel. We see Paul fight for the true gospel because his labor ultimately would be in vain if this false gospel and false believers infiltrated the church. We, we see him say that in chapter 2. That I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders. I presented them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Ultimately, if you have a false gospel, you run in vain. You run with no purpose. Your gospel is nothing. You live for nothing. That's why it's important to understand the true gospel, but also fight for that true gospel. Because nobody likes to run in vain. Anybody in here like to work for nothing? When they have a job and they want to provide for their family, they want to work to get paid. We don't all want to just work, 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 and not gain anything. We want to run with the true gospel for the sake of the glory of God. There's a purpose there. But if it's a false gospel, God won't be glorified. And so it's very important that we fight for that gospel and we understand that true gospel. Also, the fruitfulness of, of the ministry given him would all be worth nothing if this false gospel had been accepted as authentic and valid by the pillars in Jerusalem. If those in Jerusalem would have accepted this gospel... All the work he had done, three plus 14 years, would have been worth nothing. It would have been hard. 
to, to get them to revert back to the gospel he preached because those were the pillars. Those are the people that walk with Jesus. And it would have been a great division. It was very, the stakes were very high. That's why Paul presented the gospel that he had been preaching to the Gentiles to make sure and protect the gospel that was given to him. Paul knew that importance of making sure that the truth of the gospel was preserved. So what were these false believers teaching? What were they teaching to these Gentiles and to the Jews? They were proclaiming Jesus, but if you wanted to be a disciple, you had to be circumcised and become a Jew socially. Not just a Jew physically, but socially and culturally. It's not just about this physical attribute that they were concerned about. They were concerned about the culture of a Jew, the social aspects of a Jew. When you did that, when you became circumcised, you were saying, I'm going to abide by all those rituals and all those rules and all the laws of Moses. And I want to explain something to you about the law. The law is good. God made it. It is good. It just shows us that we're in need of a Savior. And then when we realize that we need that Savior, and we put our trust in that Savior, we will live in accordance to the law. Not because of we have to be approved by God by living by the law, but we've already been approved. And that causes us to live by the law. So don't misunderstand me to say that the law is bad. The law is good. But when you think that the law is going to save you, you've already messed up. There's no going back. Once you've already messed up, once you've already broken the rules, we all have lied, we've all stolen, we've all had anger, we've all, in a sense, murdered. Jesus says that murder is when you have anger within you against somebody. Most of us in here probably have lusted after somebody, so we all have committed adultery. You know, so we can't think of ourselves as high, you know, yes, we're, we're made in the image of God, but ultimately we've sinned against God. And we have to understand that. They were teaching that if the uncircumcised stayed that way after faith, then they were false believers. But see, Paul would say the opposite about that. He called them false believers. See, they were saying that these people who aren't being circumcised, they're false believers. They're not true believers. But Paul was saying the exact opposite, saying that these men are false believers. They were teaching that you cannot be free in Christ. And they were trying to bring slavery where there was freedom in Christ. So what was at stake if this false gospel took root and began to grow? At the core and at the foundation, the truth, the truth of the gospel would not be preserved. The gospel would be limited to a certain culture when the gospel was really for all people and for all cultures. The freedom that is in Jesus would ultimately turn into slavery. There's a lot at stake there. And there's a lot at stake for us as well if we start believing about this false gospel that they were teaching. But Paul brought a man named Titus with him who had not been circumcised, but the false brothers were trying to compel him to do so, trying to make him believe that in order to be saved, that he needed to trust Jesus and live according to Jewish rituals. But it says he was not compelled. Nor did the apostles in Jerusalem assist on him being circumcised. It was clear that the gospel of adding the laws for salvation was false. 
No one can make themselves acceptable before a holy God. But these false believers would beg to differ. They would say that you could be accepted before a holy God by what you did. Do you ever feel that way sometimes? That you could be accepted by what you do? We've all struggled with that. We still sometimes struggle with that. And if, if you haven't, examine your heart. Truly examine it because you will see that in you. You want to do, you want to not do, whatever it is, to be accepted. To be accepted from people, but to be accepted by God. We do that. But our motives and our idea of God get so messed up because the gospel is no longer compelling us. It's our own motives. It's our own selfishness. We want to get the glory for it. Only in Jesus can we become holy and blameless in the Father's eyes. And Titus was an example of this truth. We are accepted through Jesus and not through any deeds or rituals. The gospel brings freedom. There's freedom in Jesus. You are able to be free because of Jesus. For the longest time, people were in slavery because they had to follow all these cleansing laws. All, I couldn't even imagine what it was like. But because of Jesus and Him coming to earth as the God-man, we are now free to live for Him. So it brings freedom culturally and it brings freedom to live in obedience to Jesus. The gospel also unifies us. Unity is it's lost within the church today. It's lost. We see many different denominations and dif differences and divisions, but unity is so significant that even Jesus prays for us to be united in John chapter 15 or John chapter 17. Yeah, Jesus, He prayed for you. And he prayed that you would be unified as the church. So what does this being unified look like? We are all in Christ, so it really doesn't matter what differences you have. And the fact that you are in Christ is the reason there can be perfect unity. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 through 28. It says, so in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to his promise. That's good news. The gospel destroys all those barriers of differences that we have. I mean, if you just look around in this room, we have different age groups, male, female. We have different backgrounds. And we're different people. We're not all the same. But because of the gospel, we are unified. And we try to get in groups with people that are similar to us, but the only thing that matters is Christ in us. 
And we can be unified because of Christ in us. As long as we believe the truth about Christ, and that there's not another Christ, we can be unified in Christ. Do you strive for that? Or do we seek division? Do we seek understanding? Or do we seek division? Most of the time it's over petty things. It's over small things. It's things that really don't even matter. But the gospel, in Christ, we are unified. Here at the Oaks, we don't want to add any cultural rules or add to the gospel. Some churches, like I said, they add. Talk about baptism and speaking in tongues. What I'm saying is just Jesus. You don't add all those things to be saved or to confirm your salvation. It's just Jesus. And it's just Jesus that unifies the church. But also unity means that we recognize our differences. We have different callings. We see that Peter and Paul were called to two different groups of people, uncircumcised and circumcised. They were called to the Jews and the, the Greeks, the Gentiles. So although they preach the same gospel, they must approach two different types of people with the gospel differently. Not a different gospel, but the gospel differently. Not one was saying, my approach is better, but they understand their different callings and was still unified in the gospel. And lastly, we must be unified in remembering the poor. We understand Paul was eager to already do what they were asking him anyway. And this just confirmed they shared a common cause for the gospel. And lastly, the gospel produces disciples with a gospel presence. We see that in verse 9, where they extended the right hand of fellowship because they recognized the grace that, that had been given to Paul. But what was it that they recognized in Paul that they would say that they saw grace? Is it because he just preached grace? No, they recognized grace. They saw it in him. First, they saw the gospel advancing, and they knew that the gospel was advancing to the Gentiles. They definitely would have seen grace in all those places he had visited where the gospel was spreading. Are you about spreading the gospel? Are you about advancing the gospel? If you want to be recognized as a man or woman of grace, you must proclaim the gospel. You must spread the gospel. But he also had Titus with him, which was a living proof of the effect of the gospel, of his gospel ministry. Do you have a Titus? Do you have someone that you're pouring into with the gospel? Would, would someone recognize that through that Titus? Or, or you could be a Titus. It's okay to be mentored. We all need mentorship. We all need discipleship. No one is too good enough to have... Every, there is always someone who is a little more mature than you. doesn't matter how old you get or how much you know. Grace can be seen in that when we're a gospel presence to each other. And when we take one man or one woman, older women, take younger women... Show them what it means to be a good wife, a wife who seeks after God's heart, a wife who knows how to cook but to love her husband, 
and to respect Him and honor Him. Men, teach younger men. Older men, teach younger men what it means to be a gospel presence to your family, to your wife. There's so much there to love your wife as Christ loved the church. What a picture. What a calling. There's a lot there. Men, let's step up. Let's take some Tituses. Let's take some men, some young men. And young men, be willing to listen. Be willing to hear out the older men. Not as if you know everything. I'm one of those guys, I already know that. I got that down. We need to be young men who listen to the older men who are willing to hear them out to learn how to be that gospel presence. Men, if you're married, be that gospel presence to your wife. You are to disciple, to guide, to lead your wife. Men, we need to step up. So, do you have a Titus? Or are you a Titus? It's probably good to be both. Also, when we see sinners come to know the Savior, we see grace. We as believers should seek the advance of proclaiming that gospel. Can that grace be seen in you as proclaiming the gospel? Can people be seen as a response of the gospel that you proclaimed and that you preached? Also, believers, they're laying down everything to help others for the name of Jesus. We see that they gathered up a gift in Acts chapter 11. They gathered up a a big gift to give because there was a famine. Sacrificial obedience is the clearest expression of grace in a believer. We see Paul going to Jerusalem by revelation and doing that, giving that gift. One perspective that most Christians take is that we give our 10% and the rest is ours to do with whatever we want. That's not the way God sees it. He says everything is His. Everything. Nothing is yours. Everything on this earth is His. Are you willing to give generously that the grace of God may be recognized through Jesus Christ? I can tell you this, I've had the privilege to recognize grace in many ways at the Oaks. Feeding the homeless every Sunday. Certain families given to other families in need. When tragedy strikes, people gave with generosity and gave of their time and their resources. Praying for those who hurt, being available to them. Gospel spreading within the community. Home groups growing by the grace of God. So much more. There's so much more. God's grace is within the oaks. And I believe it's being recognized. Because I hear a lot of people tell me that. And I just praise God because of it. Are you looking for grace? Are you seeking out to see it and to give God the glory for it? We need to seek after grace. Opportunities to spread grace, but also opportunities to look at grace and just marvel at the goodness of God and how good He is and how He changes people, how He moves people. Do you look for grace? As the band comes up, 
I want to ask you a couple questions. Are you a gospel presence where those around you can recognize the grace that was given to you, like Paul? Are you seeing the many moments where you can show grace of Jesus to others? Or are you just looking for grace within your daily life to give God praise and the credit that is due Him? We are called to be a gospel presence to this community. We're called to be a gospel presence to our family. We're called to be a gospel presence to all the people around us. But you cannot be a gospel presence without receiving the gospel. You cannot be a gospel presence without daily walking in the gospel. You have to wrestle with your sin. You have to understand that you need Him daily. Sometimes we just go through life and we say, our sin is our past or even our present sin. We don't have to worry about it because Jesus paid for it. That's not the gospel in us. We need to seek that forgiveness from Jesus and daily walk in the gospel. And until then, we won't be a gospel presence because the gospel isn't transforming us daily. So if you want to be that gospel presence to your community, to your family, to your wife, to your husband, to your co-workers, to everyone who's around you, you must live in the gospel daily. If you're not living in the, the gospel daily, ask God to reveal the gospel daily to you. He will. Ask God to show you His grace daily. Because He will. He does it. He's done it in my life and He'll do it in your life. His grace changes us daily. Are you seeking it? Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for Your Word that we have Paul as a man who seeks who has sought you and who is a gospel presence. God, we pray that we as the church could be a gospel presence to this community. That we would love people and that we would be gracious to people and that we would generously give to all who are in need. God, we love you. We ask that you change us through your gospel as we trust your son, Jesus.